Amen, amen. Continuing to pray for one another in their prayer cards. Thank you for taking uh, extras. Uh, if you see any uh, on Sundays left behind, feel free to grab them as we don't want anyone to be left behind. Continue praying for one another. Amen. We can turn our attention tonight to the book of John, John 18, chapter 18, verse 36, one verse tonight. Where the Lord says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight uh, from this title, The Clash of Kingdoms, Clash of Kingdoms. Uh, turn to a few people, greet them in the name of the Lord as you're seated tonight. Civilizations have been around for thousands of years, since the beginning of time really. History tells us of, of their great accomplishments and how they've impacted this world that we live in for the good and for the bad. But mankind has been around even longer than civilizations have because it obviously takes a bunch of people to form a civilization and we, we have the benefit uh, of seeing just when mankind appeared in this world and on the world stage and the introduction of humanity uh, does not uh, paint the picture of a civilization in the beginning as it was just began with one man and one woman. And it stated uh, with one man, Adam, and when God made Eve from him, and thus began the age of humanity and the inhabitation of this world by God's greatest creation. Uh, the one creation that was formed and fashioned after his image and in his image, all other creations, creatures uh, did not bear such a privilege and such a mark to be made after the image of Almighty God. Uh, mankind was the one creation that was given the authority and power to rule over this world and dominion in this world. Um, and it's so it, it's hard to imagine a world without block buildings and smooth roads to drive on. But while the Garden of Eden didn't have any of our modern amenities and uh, pleasures of this world that it produces, I would declare that Adam's world was probably a lot better than our world. A world without sin is a world to be desired. 
A world without death and suffering is something to look forward to. A world that contained everything that you needed and yet you didn't have all these extra necessities and all that you have so much extra stuff nowadays that you have to uh, pay money to store them all in a storage facility. That's how much stuff we have. That storage facilities are going up around the corner like McDonald's. They're popping up everywhere. And that's just a testament of what kind of society that we live in, that we have so much stuff that we need extra space to hold all of our stuff. But Adam's world obviously did not contain those things, for you didn't need those things. But yet his world had everything that you needed. And not really anything much more. For your breath of life, that is your source of life, your very substance from which we came from would come down and walk with you in the cool of the day. What more do you need than the presence of Almighty God coming and walking with you every single day? What more does one need? Nothing more, I would, I would suggest, but as we know that world did not last very long. It was lost because of man's desire for more. Man's desire for more, man's desire to be great, to be like God, cost him the perfect place to live in. It's more than what you need, anything more than a necessity seems to place, place man on a wrong track. When we're desiring for more than what we actually need, we can easily lose track of where we are, what trail, what path we're on, and easily get caught on the wrong track and in pursuit of our own desires, we leave behind the things that are actually we really need in pursuit of the more. And it's the same old tale. If, if desire, if desire can get the best of Adam and what little he had in his world, then you had better believe that it can get a hold of you and me and, and strive and to try to pull us off the path of the straight and narrow of the, of, of the narrow road, especially in the day in the world that you and I live in, desire can easily just grab a hold of us and try to pull us away from what God has for us. And a man that is left up to his own devices and his own desires only leads to death and destruction. As Proverbs tells us, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so uh, man's desire is always going to lead him uh, not closer to God, but further from God in pursuit of his own carnal lusts and desires. And sadly, even desire, we saw desire uh, led Adam away from God away from uh, perfection in paradise. And so, which is why if there is to be any kind of hope for mankind, man needs to be ruled and to be governed. Because if we're left up to our own crazy ideas, this world becomes a mess. Man needs to be ruled and governed by laws and by a higher power and higher authority to keep us in line, keep us in check. Otherwise, there probably would not be anything left. 
But even with rules and laws, it, it still takes people to submit to them. Just because they're out there and passed does not mean uh, they will be followed and fulfilled. Uh, it takes submission to uh, make everything work. In order for things to work properly, properly we have to submit uh, to the laws. And obviously good, good abiding citizens do, do those things. Um, and it's the criminals that don't care what laws are passed. Uh, it's, you know, the whole argument about gun control, you pass more, more gun control laws. Well, the criminals don't care about that. Uh, and so, uh, uh, thus begins the, uh, endless arguments uh, of such a law to be passed. But even with the rule of law, we have to submit and obey to those if we're going to uh, work properly as uh, a civilization and, and together. And so without a, a rule of law, which uh, we are left with really just kind of anarchy, like uh, everyone does right in their own eyes, which may sound great, like a great idea. You just, you don't have to obey any laws, just do as you please. And uh, but yet the reason why you and I are here uh, and we have what we have and we've arrived at such a place in this world is because of the rule of law and the, the formation of civilizations and those citizens adhering to those laws and uh, trying to do our best to live a, a, a decent life and existence in this world. Uh, but uh, imagine without the rule of law and, and governance, uh, imagine just 6,000 years of a Wild West where just anything happens. Uh, we would probably would not be here tonight if that were the case. Uh, 6,000 years of mankind just doing whatever they wanted to do. Uh, we would ha probably have zero progress. All progress would be stolen and killed and uh, we'd be resetting all the time. But thankfully, humanity decided to establish laws and to help tame our carnal and sinful and wild nature. Uh, and so that's what helps keep us all in check. I, I tried to see how many laws we have here in the United States, and you can't really find a definitive answer for that. So I'd say I'd get back to you, but I don't know if I could ever get back to you on that. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you've got federal laws, you've got state laws, uh, you've got, then uh, apart from laws, you've got rules, you've got regulations, you've got so many things. They technically aren't laws, but they help keep things in order. You've got codes and ordinances and all of these things, and the list goes on and on, and, and so... Uh, there's well over tens of thousands of thousands of rules that govern this great nation. Uh, we have just entered into tax season. If you forgot about that. And just the tax code alone, they say, is thousands upon thousands of pages of regulations that just uh, watch over the taxes in this country. And so as a, as a good citizen, we are expected to follow uh, all these things and live accordingly to these tens of thousands of laws. Um, thankfully that, uh, you know, you have a decent, decent conscience and a 
decent respect for humanity, you can easily abide and live by the laws. Um, as uh, uh, Paul writes, there's no, no love, there's no laws regarding love and peace and joy and, 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 and goodness. Uh, you can't, you don't really need a laws for those things. And so if you're living that way, then uh, most likely you'll uh, abide by the governance and laws and rules that we have in the country you are a citizen of. But, but laws are what helps define a civilization. You cannot have a civilization without laws. Otherwise, you just kind of got a, a group of crazy people getting together and, and doing whatever. Uh, and so there must be a rule of law. And if we all are to get along and live peaceably together, you might say, uh, you might subscribe to the idea that we need a smaller government and, and less restrictions and less laws that it would make things easier and, and smoother and make things better um, as opposed to all of these uh, so many laws being passed every year. Well, Adam and Eve, they had just one law. One law is all they had. Don't eat of just one tree. Making it simple for you, Adam and Eve, don't eat of, eat of any tree that you want except this one tree. One tree one law, and they got fed up with that. So here we're stuck with tens of thousands of laws as punishment, I guess, because if you can't keep up with one, here, here's, a, here's a whole truckload of laws to try to live by. And so they decided to break the one law man had, and so here we are millions of laws later to live by. And so once man was removed from the garden, he became a, a nomad in this vast empty world and families started sticking together, clans clinging together. They would stay together for uh, safety and survival. And so pretty soon uh, civilizations would form and laws would be enacted and declared and for safety and survival of, of the community and civilization and the people around them. Um, and, and so the oldest uh, found rules or set of laws is called the Code of Ur-Namu. If you put up picture number one, the Code of Ur-Namu uh, is the uh, oldest known law code that is surviving today that they found. It is from Mesopotamia and it's written on tablets in the Sumerian language uh, dated to be about uh, 2100 B.C. Uh, and so that's the oldest set of laws that they have found. And so, believe it or not, this is the time uh, that is believed to be where Abraham actually lived, about 2000 B.C. Uh, and so it is highly likely and probable that those laws right there are the very laws that Abraham lived under since it was from Ur. Uh, and that's obviously Abraham was from the Ur of Chaldees. And so uh, those are the laws Abraham lived under in Mesopotamia. And the few of them that, are, that they've transcribed and interpreted was uh, if a man commits a murder, that man must be killed. That was the law of the land back then. If a man commits a robbery, he will be killed. If a man commits a kidnapping, he's to be imprisoned and pay 15 shekels of silver. Uh, so these, these, just a few of the laws that are written on those, uh, those tablets right there, 
um, 4,000-year-old laws uh, helped us get us to where we are today. And so for every great civilization uh, has its governing documents that, that form the, the foundation of its existence. And just with anything else, any business or corporation or company, there's always, you got the, uh, the documents, uh, the incorporation documents that uh, describe uh, what this company, its purpose is, its, uh, it, what its uh, use is, and, and all these things, governing documents that uh, provide the uh, assurance and foundation for such an existence, and, and the same is with civilizations as well. But history teaches us that it seems that, that the older a civilization becomes, the greater chance it drifts from its founding documents and its laws. It just kind of, over time, it just kind of drifts away from those things. The, the very laws that made it such a great civilization, over time, it seems that it, it departs from those things. They say that if Rome never fell, we would be thousands of years more advanced than we are right now. They said that we would have the Industrial Revolution in the year 500 instead of 1900. Can you imagine where we'd be if... if how, we know how much the Industrial Revolution changed the world we live in today. Imagine that being a thousand years earlier, how far advanced we would be. And they say that if Rome never fell, those things would continue on. And so they say that uh, Rome was one of the greatest, if not the greatest, civilization of all time. Uh, and that is a title that we Americans, we proudly declare uh, but we cannot be ignorant of the fact that we would not exist if not for Rome. Uh, and so the alphabet, the calendar, bridges, arches, uh, republicanism, not the political party, but the, the, the foundation of, of our society, civic law, and many more things all come from Rome, which are incorporated into our civilization nowadays. And so... Uh, for us to stand and declare that we are the greatest uh, country to ever exist, uh, you know, we ignorantly declare that because a lot of what we've got, got now is from another civilization. Uh, and so we can easily take something that was uh, uh, developed years ago and we can build upon that, but uh, we did not invent everything that we have and so we stand upon the shoulders of greater civilizations. We just happen to be coming at a later time in, in history. And so we can say what we want about America and how great it is against all others. But as the saying says, all, all roads lead to Rome. And yet Rome would not be what it was without the 3,000 years of the Egyptian civilization that came before it. And not to mention the Greeks and the Medes and the Persians and the uh, Sumerians and the Mesopotamians and Ur and Babylon and all of these civilizations that uh, thrived at some point in human history, uh, really were all kind of dependent upon one another to advance the human race. 
And so laws and documents and ways of living are, are passed down from one generation to the next and from one civilization to the next. And as civilizations rise and fall, empires rise and fall, each at its own peak and pinnacle on the world stage declare it to be the greatest that uh, we are a world superpower, that our reach and our military might and influence knows no borders. Uh, we say that as Americans, and we, and we truly believe that, that we are uh, the greatest nation uh, to have ever existed, and we can go around and we can ask each generation or each citizen from the world, and we might get a bunch of answers of, as to which is the greatest civilization. But conveniently, there's really no way to, to really tell or compare one another. As I said, we take a lot of stuff from these great civilizations before us. One civilization with the next comparing them. We can't accurately compare America and Rome together in the same ring and to see who is the greatest. But the one who can truly answer a question like that without prejudice and without impartiality would be God himself. He's the one who can actually give us a real answer, which is the greatest civilization. Uh, and I think we all know probably what he would say. It might, it might hurt our American pride, but he probably is not going to say that America is the greatest civilization. We've Not to discount or, or, or deny all the greatness that we have done and help obviously advance the, the church and the kingdom of God. We have done... Uh, financed uh, world uh, evangelism and spread the gospel around the world through uh, America. And so we have our part in the stage of humanity, but uh, only we can declare that we are the greatest, uh, but God is the one who actually knows who is the greatest. But we do have an image that is presented to us in Scripture uh, that describes the kingdoms of this world. And what it seems uh, might be descriptive of their power and of their greatness uh, compared to one another, there is uh, a, a comparison that can be made from its descriptions. And uh, we, we find this in, in the book of Daniel, uh, a prophecy and interpretation given of the kingdoms of this world. Put up picture number two. This is what... Uh, uh, the king saw that uh, Daniel was summoned and uh, uh, interpreted for him. The image's head was of fine gold, his breasts and arms of silver, and his belly and his thighs of brass, legs of iron, and his feet part iron and part clay. Uh, and so the interpretation uh, goes like this, Daniel 2 and 37, Thou, O king, art a king of kings. The God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over all them. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, 
another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes, Part of the potter's clay and part iron of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, thou, uh, but there shall be in it of strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay, as the toes of the feet were part of the iron and the part of the clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with the miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And so uh, we see here a description of the kingdoms of the world, uh, the kingdoms of the Gentiles uh, that began back then with Nebuchadnezzar as uh, declared to be the head of gold. Uh, and as the, the interpretation says, the kingdoms that come after that are inferior uh, to Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, the Babylonian Empire. And so uh, if this uh, rightly describes the kingdoms of the world, uh, then we fall in there somewhere. And as much uh, as American pride that we have, we, we're going to say that we're the head of gold, uh, but sadly, the, that place has already been taken by somebody else. Uh, and so there we are on the timeline somewhere in Daniel's prophecy, and it seems to be that we are somewhere near the bottom of this statue. Uh, nowhere near the gold, not even near the silver, not even near the brass, but we're somewhere somewhere near the bottom of this thing, somewhere near the toes or ankles or feet, somewhere, maybe we're the toe jam. America is the toe jam in, in, in biblical prophecy. That really puts a, a, a dagger in our pride, huh? American pride, the greatest nation in the world, and yet God places us as toe jam uh, over uh, the history of, of the kingdoms of this world. Uh, and so um, uh, we, we can sit around and arm wrestle and argue with the world about our great achievements and contributions to humanity. And, and again, there, there has been no other country like ours that has generated so much wealth and distributed so much wealth and, and helped uh, uh, poor and needy and helped the entire world like, like America. Obviously, uh, not discounting all of our goodness and, and, and our greatness. Uh, but uh, uh, according to Scripture, where is it that we fall? Because that's really what matters, right? As much as we love our country and we cling to our, our country and our, our constitution, uh, there is a higher power out there than our constitution. Uh, and there is a, a clash of kingdoms, uh, the kingdoms of this world versus uh, the kingdom that is not of this world. And once it comes, it definitely clashes with everything else. 
And so as much as we want to uh, stand and declare proudly uh, as great as we are uh, as, a, as a country, we need to be the first ones to recognize that there is a greater country out there. There is a, a greater kingdom than the uh, uh, United States of America. And the sooner we accept that and, and, and live according to those things, the, the better off it may be for us. And so we need not to forget that the story does not end with the, the ten toes and the, the toe jam, uh, whoever is down there. There is still more to come. There is another kingdom that is going to get into the ring with all these other kingdoms. Verse 44 of Daniel says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And so there is coming a kingdom that is greater than Rome, that is greater than Egypt and greater than Babylon. There is coming a kingdom that is greater than America, and that is the kingdom of heaven, and it is so great that it will destroy every other uh, civilization and every other culture of this world that has ever produced and Jesus will rule this world and the government will be upon his shoulder. In verse Isaiah 9 and 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so uh, no matter how great we think we are as a nation and as a country, we have to accept the fact that somebody and something greater is on its way to this world and we need to align ourselves not with uh, our country but we need to align ourselves with the coming kingdom because the Bible says that kingdom is going to destroy every other kingdom and that kingdom is the one that is going to stand forever and never be destroyed. And so what we have always had in this world is a clash of kingdoms that rise up against one another and the greatest, the greater kingdom conquers the lesser of the two kingdoms. And, and one day, very soon, all of this will be over and there is only going to be one kingdom left standing. And it is not going to be the U.S. of A. And I know that uh, obviously we are citizens of this great country and uh, many uh, military veterans who fought for this country and even there's many uh, people who have died for this country and we're not disrespecting all that they have done, but we just have to acknowledge the fact that as great as we are, we have to realize that there is some another kingdom that is greater. 
and as we are a part of this world, we are not uh, of this world because something happened when we came to an altar and we repented of our sins and we were baptized in Jesus' name and born again. Uh, all of a sudden, we became uh, citizens of another country, of another kingdom, and we have to acknowledge and realize that that kingdom is greater than my kingdom down here, and we are to align ourselves with the kingdom of heaven if we want to be a part of that kingdom and fellow citizens of the, of the kingdom to come. Uh, and so uh, that is the predicament that we are in, not just of this natural world and being born of a spiritual being now, and, uh, but also being a citizen of a natural world, but yet also a citizen of another world, of another kingdom. And so uh, since that day is fastly approaching the, the coming kingdom, uh, we might as well prepare ourselves and to remind ourselves uh, to be ready. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, uh, this great country's laws and compare them against the kingdom laws. Because as much as we love our Constitution, we had better hope we love the Word of God more than our Constitution. Because one, the Constitution governs this civilization, but yet the Word of God governs the coming kingdom. Uh, and uh, again, uh, people, we, we love our, our country and our Constitution, and people give their lives up for this, for this document that we have, uh, and yet... Uh, we, we, we cry, we, we fight for it, and we fight for it in our courts, and, and as far as we can, take it to the Supreme Court, declaring things, uh, this is unconstitutional, this cannot stand, and as much as we declare something to be unconstitutional, uh, what we should be declaring that these things are unbiblical and unrighteous and ungodly. If, if we would do that more than use an unconstitutional, we may be back, get on the right track of things. But again, as much as we love the Constitution, we had hope we had better love the Word of God more than the Constitution because uh, the, there is a greater kingdom than our Constitution and is on its way, and we need to align ourselves with that. And so as Americans, we believe that we are the greatest nation that has ever existed and there obviously are, are so many facts and truths to back that up, but uh, no country has ever been as free as we are and uh, no citizen has ever had the rights and the liberties that, that we enjoy in this country and no nation has lifted people out of poverty like the United States has and uh, what other place in the world can an immigrant come here with just pennies in their pocket and, and come to such a place who, who can take those pennies and build himself a business and an empire and build himself riches and become one of the richest people that have ever existed in mankind? No other place provides such a, an opportunity than we have here. What the U.S. has done has 
giving people a chance and an opportunity to build the life of your dreams. And, and that is why we are uh, proud Americans and we, can, uh, we, and we say that America is the greatest nation to have ever existed and uh, maybe rightfully so, but we have to acknowledge that not every kingdom has come here yet. That there is a coming kingdom and there is going to be a clash of kingdoms. And what, what it does come back to is uh, our rule of law, our, our founding document uh, uh, that establishes the rights and liberties and the boundaries of our government and uh, that creates such a, a place, such a land uh, to be free in. And it all comes back to the, the, the document that we hold near and dear uh, the, the American experiment, as history describes it, uh, a document unlike any other, an experiment in the laws and liberties and freedoms given to its citizens, makes America stand apart from everything, everyone else. Uh, the Constitution lists the basic human rights that everyone is uh, entitled to here. But where do these, where do these ideas come from? We didn't, they just, they just didn't come out of thin air. They just, we didn't, they're not just a, a new, a, a new uh, uh, belief, a new system of, of beliefs and new, new principles that just were discovered over here on their way over on the Mayflower. They discovered, wow, look, listen to this philosophy of life. No, uh, uh, what we have built into our documents are uh, all of these uh, principles of, of liberty and freedom that uh, come from various sources and, and, and many from uh, the English government and many from uh, Roman government and rule of law and all of these things. It's like they took the best of everything and, and combined it into what we have here to, to make us uh, the best uh, uh, country out there. And so, uh, but, but they just didn't come out of thin air. The laws that are set forth in our Constitution uh, came from the, the writers, their, their lives and their beliefs, what, what, what made them live and what, what helped them strive to create such a document and such a, uh, an opportunity for others to be a part of this. And um, John Adams wrote, he says, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And so our documents are uh, written for moral people and religious people. It can't, it can't work in any other uh, situation or any other uh, type of government. It only works in, 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 those, uh, uh, in those ways. Uh, Noah Webster, who you may recognize his last name, uh, he was alive uh, during this time. And uh, this is uh, some thoughts that he has describing uh, our, our documents of this nation. It says, if there is a possibility of founding a perfectly free government and giving it permanent duration, it must be raised upon the pure maxims and supported by the undecaying practice of that religion uh, which, which breathes peace on earth and goodwill to men. 
that religion, Christianity, is perfectly Republican, and it is uh, calculated to humble the pride and allay the discontents of men. It, it restrains the magistrate from oppression and the subject from revolt. It secures a perfect equality of rights by enjoining a discharge of all social duties and a, a strict subordination to law. Universal prevalence of that religion in its true spirit would banish tyranny from the earth. Speaking obviously of Christianity and the power that it has and influence it can have over a society, a civilization, especially if, if those morals and principles are uh, intertwined in the formation and foundation of such a, a, a government. He goes on to say the moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of our civil constitution and laws. All the miseries and evils which men suffer from vice and crime and ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. And so I'm ex expressing their, their thoughts, those, those that are uh, helped write our documents. You can get into their minds and their hearts and understand where are they coming from when they are, are establishing the foundation of our country. What is their mindset? Are they atheists? Because if a bunch of atheists get together and form a, a constitution, that's going to uh, form that type of country and, and what's going to come from that. And so we obviously uh, uh, are based upon principles that were uh, from the Bible and the Word of God. That's, uh, I believe, what partly made us such a, a, a great uh, country and a, a, a constitution that it is from words of truth, from the Word of God uh, that are sewn into the very fabric of this nation. And so biblical ideas were crucial in the Declaration and the Constitution. And it is said that nearly 80% of the political pamphlets that were published during the, during the 1770s were reprinted sermons. 80% of the political pamphlets were sermons that they handed out. And you wonder where we how we came to be as as a Christian nation. It was it was everywhere. It was inbred in in everyone's minds and philosophies and in their hearts uh, as they centered around the Word of God. Musicians, if you would come, when when comparing the Bible and the Constitution, there are many things that align up uh, and, and concepts that align. Um, the words that are mentioned in the preamble alone are directly paralleled to uh, scriptures, uh, principles that are mentioned in the scriptures. Uh, we, we know that the, the preamble says, goes like this, when in the course of human events becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, 
a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so in the introduction to uh, our, our declaration of, of separation and independence, we already seen uh, uh, parallels to the scripture and the word of God precisely by them even mentioning God and the creator and uh, nature's laws and nature's God. Uh, and so again, these things just didn't pop out of their minds. No, it was inside their heart and they, they adhered to the word of God. And so um, it, it's amazing. We see in Romans 1 and 20, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even by his eternal power and guidance, so that they are without excuse. Uh, it's amazing how Romans 1 and 20 kind of uh, is, is fleshed out a little bit in our, our, constitu our declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident, uh, that they are endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights. Creation itself declares God and his laws and his, and his uh, principles of liberty and, and, and life and, and following after him. And so uh, we see their connections as they're drawing it with, with the word of God, uh, how it formed their uh, foundation of our founding documents. And so uh, they know that and they believe that God is not just some passive being, but he, is, he governs in the affairs of men. He watches over and his, his will is being done. Bible talks about him raising up kings and bringing down kings or bringing up nations and taking them down. So God is active in this world and he's not on the sidelines watching what people do. And so the authors of our founding documents declare that these things are evident everywhere. Creation itself declares that there is a God out there and we appear appeal to him and his creation and his laws. And they even finished signing off the, the declaration by saying this, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And so, they were declaring their firm reliance uh, on God himself, that God is going to make this, uh, he's going to make a way, he's going to, his divine providence is going to help get this thing going. Why? Because uh, the word of God was sown into the very declaration of this country that we stand and we love so much that we invited God to be a part of this forming of this country, which helped make it the greatest in the world. And so the very formation of this country has in its veins uh, scripture, the source of life and the bread of life, and yet look at where we are today. So far removed from our beginning, so far removed from the principles that framed the formation of, of what we have, so far removed from one, the one referenced our creator. 
with whom we support this declaration with a firm reliance. It was everything for them to, to, to get us to where we are. It cost them everything, and they put, they put all their faith, their hope, and their trust in divine providence that God is going to make a way. Otherwise, we're all, we're all going to die in this experiment. And so we, we see how God uh, obviously uh, uh, made a way for all of this to happen because we're, we are part of God's plan uh, to help reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, it started hundreds of years ago, but God's hand was in it, in and through it all. And so uh, don't tell me God doesn't uh, know or care what's going on in this world. No, he's watching over and making sure we got to this point so that we can be uh, a part of the church of the living God, be able to preach the gospel to the lost souls of this world. And so it all started hundreds of years ago for us, but yet even goes back even further further to former civilizations. You stand with me tonight. And yet today there's no reliance on the divine. It seems there's no acknowledgement of God. It's almost like we, we as a nation say, take your paper back and, and uh, take your documents back, take your principles back, and uh, leave us alone and let us live how we want to live. In the words of the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, he says, the Constitution is not static. It, it doesn't mean what the people voted for when it was ratified. Rather, it changes from era to era. Uh, to comport with. Uh, uh, the Constitution is often described as a living document. It is something that is alive and still uh, has, a, has a say today. While it may have been written hundreds of years ago, its power still reaches all the way to 2023 into the fabric of our lives. The Constitution still is alive and it still has power and authority as much as it did back then. It still does now today. While it might be an ancient document, it still has power in our lives today. But how much coincidence is that, that if our Constitution is described as a living, breathing document. What else is described as living and breathing? Hebrews tells us, for the word of God is quick, it's alive, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, dividing asunder the soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so if we're going to say the Constitution is alive and breathing, we had better better stand up and declare that the Word of God is alive as well and is actually more alive and more powerful than our Constitution. And we need to align ourselves with the coming kingdom because its founding document, its Constitution, the Word of God is so much more powerful than our Constitution. Because there is coming a clash of kingdoms. And only one is going to survive. Only one document is going to remain. One will be alive and the other one will finally be put to death. 
And we see this in Revelation 19. I, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth upon the winepress of the fierceness of his wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The word of God is coming. He is alive and he is coming to this earth soon. And there's going to be a clash of kingdoms. And we need to make sure we align ourselves with the right documents. As much as we love our country and our constitution, there's something that is even greater out there that also is alive and has power and authority in our life today. But we need to make sure we submit to that because that is what's going to rule and reign forever. And that is what God is going to judge all the other kingdoms with is the Word of God. And I'm thankful to know the Word of God. I'm thankful to know Jesus Christ, that he lives inside of us. And we're a part of the kingdom that is coming. We need to align ourselves every day with him because that is what is yet to come. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Let's thank him for his Word because it is the breath of life. It is what feeds and fuels our soul. More than this great country, there is a greater kingdom to come. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to align with your word. We're going to exalt you. We're going to praise you, Jesus.
there is no one like Jesus. There is no one beside him. Hallelujah, he rules and reigns in majesty. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus stood before the greatest civilization the world had ever known. Stand before Pilate, represented the, the world's superpower. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. He was not intimidated by Pilate. He was not intimidated by Rome or Caesar. Why? Because his kingdom was not of this world, and one day it was coming, and it is coming, and it's going to uh, break apart every other kingdom that this world has ever put together. And so while Pilate may have thought he won that day, there's coming a day where he's going he's gonna to stand before Jesus again, and he's going to realize that Rome wasn't the greatest. America will stand before Jesus and America will realize we're not the greatest. But Jesus, he is the greatest. And his constitution, the word of God, is the greatest thing we can ever have and hold near and dear to our heart. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.